We're here with John Wayne of Static Disaster on 103.3 Asheville FM in North Carolina. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Yeah, not too bad. I just got a just a batch of records for Christmas, and some oh, of them nice. are like trickling in. And uh, it's got a Jay Retard Seesaw uh, 45 and uh, Sharp Balloons. Another, they're like a, a Memphis band that. Um, I actually first heard about from talking to Natalie Hoffman from Knots. Um, I wrote that here. down actually. Yeah, I Zach Ivy's the. Sorry about that, I never uh, heard of them before. Yeah, I I hadn't heard of them before either. Before the she mentioned them, uh, Zach Ivy's of uh, from Goner, like the Goner co-owner. Uh, he was in the band. Oh, cool. And I I forget who else. Um, let me, I'll pull it up. But you're a also cool. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. You go. Sorry, man. I was going to say you're also a say, TF a... electronics. TFR electronics. Uh, yeah, well. I do a bit of electronics work on the side. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll have to look it up sometime, but I, um, cause I'm, it's weird. The record itself is like, uh, out of like a, it's like a newspaper, like a picture of an, like a newspaper article. I haven't had a chance to like try to look at yet uh, yet on the cover, and then like the back side is a crossword puzzle, um, and then there's just the songs like written written in bat on the back, and it's just uh, just like really random. But it's a uh, it got it was a Goner release, and like I said, Zach from uh, Goner was in it. But um, I recommend them. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I definitely check that. It's cool when too when bands do the kind of like. I like Goner or even Total Punk's like kind of cheap paper sleet aesthetic or like I really like reading liner notes. So I love when people do that or like even the cheesy Crypt Records gatefolds. Like I like reading those little historical backstories or mm. another weird Goner records. Who's I think the band's called Moving Finger? I think the girl from Knots might have been in it too. The songs is it's like I think it's one song. It's called Smoking the Crack of Dawn. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite seven inches. It's like a dollar. Oh snap! Oh damn! I gotta, cool. I gotta check it out um yeah there's all sorts of i mean you know of course there's all sorts of like little like side bands and side projects that you just like never hear about unless people kind of like mention them or if you like really like look at like every like labels catalog if they put out a record or whatever there's like a, a lot of times there's just these side bands that put out either like a record or tape or not even that and just played some shows and nobody ever really talks about them but for, for for us a lot of the time it's like that's sometimes the best shit ever yeah i know i totally agree i mean it's the same thing happens in boston you figure there's all those bands that we took for granted or that you see a lot of they play one or two shows and they put something on maybe they never even put anything out but they were they were still great you just no one else is gonna know about it unless you happen to be kicking around when they were playing yeah exactly i i feel like that's especially true in Boston where there isn't really um, any like big record label. Like, I mean, we put out some stuff and there's some other labels and there's like feeding tube Western mass, but it's like, that's seems to be a little bit more all over the, the map. And um, you know, I mean, uh, but uh, you know, I, I feel like there, and there's also so many like different bands in Boston that I feel like especially there there are a lot of bands that don't really put out vinyl or don't get a chance to put out vinyl and then 
like you said, they play like a handful of shows and then, you know, like they're just kind of gone. So if you weren't around to catch them, you, it's like <laughs> they just sort of go into like the dustbin of uh, Boston underground history. Exactly. And I think to a lot of bands like or at least labels now, like, you know, usually labels kind of tend unless you're one of the big ones that's trying to make money, you kind of tend to put out things by your friends. Right. And like, you know, if someone wants to put something out, they just put it out themselves on Bandcamp or they do a self-release. So, you know, labels end up being a bit more like focused on a scene usually, or maybe they're trying to do a bit of everything, which I guess happens sometimes. But Yeah, I feel yeah. like a little bit of, you see a little bit of both of that, but that's definitely true. And like, um, and then, or you see people who are already in like other bands and then they're, they're other, and then they have some other band, like, or like a side project or just like a newer band and you see that a lot and I, I think for for a lot of people even like I know myself you, a lot of times you can see a you know if, if a new record comes out by some even if you haven't heard the band before it's encouraging at the very least if they were already in like some other band that you know of you know what I mean no it so, definitely gives you some idea yeah. of what you're looking at yeah exactly um well so yeah I, I know you've been in North Carolina for like uh, over a year now right so, about a year uh, and a half oh wow okay yeah um yeah then i moved august. in august yeah. before the uh right before 2019 and then i came back up for the tunnel love reunion show because of course they waited until i moved to have it so <laughs> yeah, yeah. i back up for that are you originally from and boston of course I right. uh yeah i'm originally from i grew up at the high school in salem new hampshire and then i moved awesome. to medford when i was like 19 and was going to school in boston and then I just lived in Medford for 13 years because it was cheap at first. And then I just kind of grew to love Medford for whatever reason. It's I used to make yeah, these stickers that said Keep Medford, Medford boring and stick them all over the place. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like I like Medford a lot. Uh, you know, Glenn, Glenn uh, lived there for a little bit, and you know, I think uh, yeah, there's definitely I'll say uh, with Medford, it's like it's nice that it you're or at least a lot of it is like bordering Somerville. So you're already kind of like closer to that area and in pretty much getting into like the city. Um, it's still a little like su suburban as well, but you also that I found like, there's a lot of good like restaurants. That was kind of the thing. I mean, I, I originally ended up there just because even in, when I moved there, it was, I, I got a job bartending in Davis square. I worked at Red Bones for a while. Oh shit. And, I love Red Bones. Yeah, it was fun. When I worked there, it was like dirt cheap for giant piles of food. It was Davis Square was kind of more of a dump then. And, you know, Davis Square was cheap, but Medford was so uncool. It was incredibly cheap as soon as you crossed <laughs> over into it. So I lived over by the highway. And I least actually, I lived, uh, I lived in the same property as a funeral home for a long time. This, <laughs> I was working, boring story, but I was working in a bar in my hometown still and commuting to Boston for school. And this regular at my bar that really liked me was like, hey, I'm sleeping with this guy that owns a funeral home. And he has an apartment on the property that he's evicting a tenant out of who's completely like hoarder destroyed it. If you help him fix the apartment, he'll rent the whole apartment to you for super cheap. And I ended up moving there and living there for like seven years. <laughs> Damn, I love that. that's awesome. Dude. <laughs> yeah, Medford Square was funny then. It was all like, it was basically just pawn shops. There was really, no, now there's like coffee shops and stuff. At the time, Medford Square was funny. That was actually was how I really... moved into Medford. I helped a hoarder out and then I, uh, <laughs> have to live there cheap so 
Good, See, good times in Medford. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, that's like remarkably close to Glen. <laughs> well. Maybe it's maybe it's more common than we realize in Medford. I don't know. Probably. I mean, they kind of, it kind of existed in a no man's land, like up until probably a few years ago, you know, when they finally started catching up, like Somerville and everything got super hip and cool. And Medford was just kind of like the land before time. Like you still yeah. had to go to City Hall to do everything on paper. There was like no computers systems for anything it was, just, it was such a silly place but i enjoyed it yep right so in, um, oh and what's that yeah tufts radio station oh yeah of course yeah but you only get for like a mile but there's some pretty there's a couple of good there's a uh oh, what's it called on thursdays or fridays it's a really good like classic rock and roll and uh doo-wop show on there i'll remember the guy's name in a minute he does it like spy themed he's got a really like gregarious medford townie accent it's a good show i'll remember the name in a minute yeah definitely let us know oh i know i know exactly what you're talking about i remember listening to that on my way home from work a lot yeah that's how i always caught it yep yeah i'm a been getting like i've always liked doo-wop or, or like definitely for a long time now but i've been getting into doo-wop a lot more um so I definitely love to hear that uh, what that station was because I listened to the memory station nice. from time to time, not, you know, whenever I'm in the car, but um, yeah. So growing up in uh, Salem, New Hampshire, were you going out to, were, were there any like local shows or anything like that? There was actually a fair amount. I got, I was into that stuff fairly young when I was in um, probably middle school. I started going to shows. I had friends who were into like, what were the bands that they liked? I, I really like, I embarrassingly really liked Ska at the time. That was like my thing. I had a friend who was really in, and he, I guess he was ahead of the curve. He he would ha, he had all these Modest Mouse cassettes and would always rave about Modest Mouse. And I remember him being all pissed off when they started getting really popular. <laughs> but um, yeah, we would go to like, you know, you grew up on like, I, I consider that area to be kind of like the expansion of the North Shore. The culture is kind of similar. It's a lot of hardcore. There was that kind of emo thing going on, like the, the emulation of 90s Boston rock was super popular. Right. So yeah, we used to go see um, this band called Fairmont that was popular. Actually, my friends and I had a cable access show when I was in middle school called New England Rock TV. Oh, and wow. we, would, we would film this show at the local cable access station that aired in like four towns. We would um, go to sh go to shows and then interview bands because at that point you could get into venues underage if you were like, we're filming this band and no one really cared. So we used to go to this place called the bomb shelter in Manchester, New Hampshire, that was in the basement under a Coca-Cola plant and they go see like punk shows and stuff. And followed this band Fairmont around what was the other uh, red yellow was another band. I remember being on the show. There was a bunch. Uh, uh, what was um, like, what time frame is this? Um, 2000 esque a little bit after oh. that. So like 2002, three, four, I think. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I tried, I tried to track down the show once, but none of it's online. I guess I'd have to go probably drive by the actual studio. I can't imagine they kept any of the tapes because we were recording on tape then because that was like what they still used. <laughs> but at the time, it was really exciting. Yeah, I um, I mean, just like you mentioned with like the emo stuff or like metal or hardcore and um, definitely Scott. I, I never got into Scott, but I there were bands playing like just in like the suburban shows that I went to that uh, I, I didn't go to a ton, but there were like, usually a lot of times there'd be all different kinds of 
bands yeah, and like, like church the, basement shows and stuff exactly yep yeah there exactly. would be like uh shows in church basements and like some couple of vfws and stuff like that and um it was a lot of it seemed to be a lot of ska bands and also a lot of like emo and screamo stuff that was kind of like just the zeitgeist of uh like early to mid 2000s yeah i remember going to see um the guy one of the guys work is a piebald one of the guys one of the guys from at works at atwoods now i used to see him working in the kitchen there sometimes i remember going to see them when i was in high school and middle school they were like a really cool band to like and then i was just really into a lot of the boston music scene like the 90s bands my my cousins were all a lot older than me and my um my mom's best friend this is kind of my mom's best friend's nephew mike denine ran a studio in somerville his wife was jen trinan so she gave me lots of like gravel pit and all these like nine boston like popular rock bands um it's a the, the band of the younger brother of the guy from um buffalo tom i can't remember their name anymore <laughs> if it's not called magnetic north pole that's all i remember oh damn i was gonna say so it was uh like was there anyone influencing you or getting you into this stuff? So it was like a lot of uh, just family members or older family members. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, my parents were older, so they were more into like fifth, which was kind of cool. Like I got to grow up listening to like classic rock that I think of as actually classic music, more of like oldie stuff, which I took for granted then. But now that it's kind of become more of a thing, I was like, oh, that's cool. I grew up listening to like the Supremes and like Link Ray Damn, and awesome. Dick Dale. That was just like stuff my parents happened to like. There wasn't really anything like not really in the music but that's just what they listen to because like they're you know when they grew up my mom went to like woodstock and stuff so she was really into that stuff oh wow damn um yeah it's pretty that's wild i I definitely um when you when i talk to different people i i always find that interesting where like um how people got into shit but also like what their family was listening to or what their parents or older siblings or whatever I had a little bit of that with like kind of like the new metal stuff at the time. Yeah. And it would have like what my dad, you know, just listened to stuff from his generation that would be kind of similar to like that, like Beatles or yeah. oldie stuff. ZLX, but, um, WRR, yeah. 3.3, the, the staple exactly. stations. Exactly. But I, it, but it never really, no one, no one really went too far that in my family, like beyond those par- parameters. So, it was like, I don't know, it took a lot longer for me to get, I think, into the more like the deeper stuff. And um, I don't think I was really going out of my way for anything until I like the, even the, the local bands like that stuff was just pretty. It happened to be around. So I knew about it, but it wasn't like anybody was super underground. That was like I was actually listening to your um, some of the, the older episodes of this today. And it was the one with Hilkin when she was talking about the oh, 90s yeah. and everyone had a like, you know, had a. Uh, had a label contract so i think at that time like that stuff was just everywhere i would go to newberry comics and there'd be like a giant poster on the wall for whatever boston band and you know mike Drees would be like hi i'm mike Drees. yeah and newberry comics you need pokemon cards guitars <laughs> that stuff. i was like okay i'm gonna buy gravel pit cool it's got a song about a gorilla i actually like that yeah. song still but <laughs> <laughs> um well thanks i appreciate you checking out the the other episodes you're checking out the podcast it's i mean i like good. it it's nice because it's like i'm not the most talkative person in person all the time unless someone talks to me and like between me you know you guys included everyone else pretty much you've interviewed or people that i've just been seeing at shows for the past like 
15 or so years, like after a while, you just start seeing the same people over and over and over again. Like, it's like, oh, there's Hilkin or there's a guy from that band or there's a, um, that couple that I see at every single show that looks like they might've been in like a Swiss new wave band. And like, there's the same people I see all over the place. <laughs> right. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, we, Glenn and I talked about doing the podcast for a while um, over the years, but it was just like, just never really came to fruition. So when like quarantine happened, it just felt like a, a natural way to fill the the void of not being able to go to shows. No, definitely. I, I can totally understand that. It's kind of neat too, because like I say, I agree. There was really a cool, I, again, I've everyone criticizes the word, but there's definitely a scene going on for a while that was really neat when you'd see the same bands over and over again. And every band was kind of co-involved with each other for almost 10 years or whatever it was. It was pretty cool. And I was going to yeah. shows pretty much like every other night. Cause that was, that's my main hobby. I'm just now like, you know, not feasible. Right. Yeah, has it been tough? You know, I, not as tough as I thought it was going to be. I was initially like when it started going on, I was really bummed out about it. But I guess too, is it's, is it's not like I'm missing anything. Like it was more like, you know, if, if it, it was like when I first got here and I did see a show, I was like, oh, I wanted to go see the Flaming Groovies at once. Like that'd be cool. But then once there weren't really shows happening, I was like, you know, I can kind of make the hang of like working at home where I started volunteering with the radio station here and reviewing CDs and going on band camp so i was like oh, okay well that takes up my time enough and excuse me doing more electronic stuff so it, it wasn't as bad as i thought it would be but i definitely miss it as being my main hobby i it'll be weird going back to shows again or being around that many people when it's been so long yeah no i agree and uh it's it's one of those weird things that like with uh, i don't, I don't want to sound like uh, uh like an, an asshole or anything but it is one of those things that, you know, obviously uh, when I first, like when the quarantine, whatever began, there's like, holy shit, like what's going to happen, this fucking virus, like what the hell is going to happen, you know, is this, and everyone's freaking out. And I have to admit that like one of the first things I did think of was like, what, what's going to happen with shows? Because when you say like people can't gather together, it's like the show, a show or any sort of concert or whatever, or live or any kind of gathering of people is like the, the worst possible thing, you know what I mean, in general. Um, and so like, I, one of my, you know, in addition to being like, you know, is this virus just gonna fucking like destroy everyone? One of the things I did think of was like, what's, you know, what's gonna happen with shows. So um, I yeah. initially as well was, I, I was thinking it was like, I was gonna, I thought it would be a lot worse than, yeah. Yeah, as well. I, I, I thought it would be a lot worse. I would, in, in a heartbeat, totally go back, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, naturally, we all would. Um, but I, I thought I would be freaking out a lot more. And, and maybe it's just like, I've also just, you know, maybe we've just gotten like a little bit more used to it. But I mean, it's been a know, while, so probably. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to um, think it's been a year almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. It is yeah well actually we can uh get back to that because we we always talk a lot about like um you know the sort of you know what will happen with shows but i i just want to go back a little bit because you made a, a good point that uh glenn and i a lot of times are just sort of like 
amateur armchair anthropologist with like <laughs> the guy to like music and music scene stuff and underground um you mean you said uh, about like people say people don't necessarily they don't like the word scene or whatever yeah i feel like it has a negative connotation like i think of when i was in high school like i remember people calling like before there was a the term hipster like people who were in the going to shows you were called a scenester which I don't know if that really existed anywhere else. Maybe that was. Uh... Oh shit! No, no, no. I mean, yeah, it's funny. Actually, <laughs> I haven't heard that word. That. Sounds like mid two thousands. Like, oh, he's a scene kid. Pretty <laughs> much, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, 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 I think though that it, that's true. That uh, you know, even amongst people who go to shows, that like, I don't know for whatever reason, like sometimes saying like oh like uh, you know the, the scene or whatever or i'm involved with the scene it it does have a negative connotation and um yeah and especially too if people well i was just gonna say if people no, are unfamiliar that. too a lot of times they do like it almost does it seems almost like it's like from the outside people might take it as like almost like a like a snobbish kind of like the elitist yeah. thing just because I don't think they understand that, oh. like, you know, anyone can get this stuff. You know, any, anyone can go out to shows and just by that virtue of doing that, you know, you're part of a scene just by enjoying, you know, live music, you know, or, and especially like what, particularly on a, on a local level. I'm curious yeah. if John had ever, John, have you, had you ever heard of Full Scene Ahead? Yeah, why do I know? I, I know that from somewhere and I don't, but I don't know what it is off my head. It's, so familiar. I was thinking about this and <laughs> that's a good um, point that they mentioned scene of thing. because oftentimes the exclusive there's an exclusivity associated with scenes like Chris just talked about and as you know but imagine the opposite of that imagine trying to create a scene by just having shows every single night and filling them with random bands and then trying to of all different styles in trying to, you know, make a scene out of that. That's what it was. Oh, it was that's what happened. Yeah. That's what it was called. Full scene ahead. It was a, I, I shit on them because I just think that's ridiculous, <laughs> but I'm curious what your thoughts might be. You know, this is one of those weird ones where like, I, I appreciate it, but at the same note, when I go to a show half the time, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> like i like yeah. the idea that you can go like you have a show with mixed genres and it's neat when they get in things to get people to show up but at the same note there's sometimes where it's like you know if let's say whether it's a house show or a regular show like especially if there's gonna be four bands on the bill where, where i've gotten older and become a strict three band rule person yeah. it's like oh man i'm gonna sit, stand here through walking on a band that maybe he's all right and the next thing's like a complete 360 maybe they're terrible you know i i don't know i I hate to say that I don't like it, but I personally prefer when like, at least there's some similarity in the bands. Like, okay, if you want to have someone that's going to be punk, then someone's going to be country, like at least have it be like kind of all of it equally kind of fucked up music. But when it's like mm -hmm. flipping all over the place, sometimes I find it's, it's hard to get a, a coherent audience, but I understand why it's popular. And I think too, when you come like somewhere like Asheville where I am, where it's just like, it's a smaller amount of people in general, or even I bet when you go out to like Lowell or Worcester sometimes, there's just less bands in that underground scene. You end up with more of a mixed bag, which can be a cool thing. Right. Yeah, that's a good point because I went to UMass Lowell and that was one of the ways I 
really got into um, a lot of the more underground uh, stuff in Boston. And, and it, it really was like, I mean, I, I can think of a number of shows where <laughs> you'd see really, you really would see a mixture that was, you know, even in, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was kind of weird where, I mean, I'm thinking of a festival that to this day is one of the, my favorite shows ever. Um, it was the first time I saw Gorilla Toss play and like New Highway Himmel. I don't know if you remember them, but they, they I do actually. Well. I, I bought their yeah. record at the uh, the Middle East show they played. I don't remember. It must have been an early festival. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they played the first three. Yeah, they played the first three. And like that, you know, and Fat History Month uh, played as well. And like, you know, but then on that same bill, because it was like based around wool, there would be like, you know, you know, like a, like a hardcore band or like a grungy kind of band. And I think yeah. there may have been even like some pop punk stuff or whatever, you know, maybe not on that bill, maybe not that fest, but like generally part of that scene when I went to house shows there, you would get a band, you know, maybe, you know, it's weird, like on different bills where it could be like a pop punk band. And then there could be someone like new highway Himmel who I was going to see. And it was like, it was just like, oh, it was kind of weird. But I, I think to your point, I think it's because it just, it was just a much smaller scene. Yeah. And that can kind of force some creativity or some interesting stuff. Lowell's got yeah. some neat stuff. I mean, I, I used to like the Shods. They were the big Lowell band. And then um, I really, did you ever go to RR Records when you were going to school there? No, I, I, you know, it's weird. I actually, I, I, I think that that was just off my radar. Yeah. Um, he was going to France. Yeah, I was like more. slowly getting I mean, that stuff's pretty out there. I, I like our, I used to go there a lot, but it's, it's weird stuff. I used to vibe like butthole surfers, bootlegs there and stuff, nice. <laughs> but they, they have real obscure, noisy things. And they used to put out a lot of stuff, I think, in, um, in, um, a max some rock and roll, what's it called? Whatever that distribute distribution out of Arlington is that I can't think of the name of right now. Oh, forced exposure. Yes. Forced exposure. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. I mean, I've, I've always dug bottle surfers uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it's weird though, but a lot of like the noise kind of stuff, I, I didn't get into until like a lot more recently until like the last, last few years. I, I, you know, it, it was some stuff I liked. Um, I think a lot of it takes effort <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> I remember seeing like, uh, you know, I remember the times when I did, I saw some noise bands and uh, I remember liking them and being like, oh, wow, this is like, this is rare because a lot of other stuff, a lot of times when I would see like weirder stuff or noise stuff, I just wasn't into it at all. And I thought it was like, pointless and whatever. I'm like, this isn't rock and roll or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and it took, yeah, it took a while for me to kind of um, come around to it. I think like um, any genre, you have that weird yeah. thing where there's like a very fine, strange line for what makes something good and not very good, even when it sounds similar, if that makes sense. Oh, it's, it's very, it's very true. And I think that totally can apply with, with noise and, and you know, it, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll have to check that. Are they, are they still around? Our I, have absolutely, I haven't even thought about them until we started talking about Lowell. Okay, Besides, I'm going to raise like, down, but yeah, because... Um, I know there's uh, this guy, Dave Perry, that I've, I've met at a, uh, like a record fair a few years ago that he, I think he's based out of Lowell and has a record store, but 
I forget what it's called, but I, actually, I don't, I don't think it's that, but that might be um, the one. There's one in the mill. Um, they redid all the mills down by the river there and made them look like super nice. The last time I was up there Oh, wow. and there was yeah. a record store that was inside one of them, but it was never open when I walked by it. Okay. Yeah. I, I gotta look into it. Cause I, um, I haven't been there in like five years. I mean, the real, the real treasure shop, if you want to go for a hike and it's my favorite is a uh, mystery training Gloucester is I think oh, it's yeah. the greatest record store of all time. Besides Armageddon shop, oh, it's one of the best. Okay. Yeah, definitely. It's um, on the bucket list. Yeah. I've, I've never actually been there, but I, I know what it is. And it's, it's um, fun. the guys who work there are cool. It's like yeah. high fidelity, but more friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, Joey Eunice. I don't know if you know him. I know Joey. He, Joey has one of my okay. titles <laughs> and he plays in heavy. Oh, shit, okay. Anyways. Yeah, I remember he used to work there, I believe. Yeah, he was working there until he had a kid. He has a kid now, and he uh, bought a house somewhere up there. And I think he's married, but Ryan still works there. And then the uh, the guy who bought it, I can't think of his name. I want to say his name's Tim. Another like older guy, but he bought the record stop from the original original owner. But they're still okay. plodding along. Okay, sweet. Um, yeah, and also it's. A- I think going back to what Glenn, you were saying, I think with like regard to, uh, I mean, full scene ahead, they're no longer a thing, but, uh, you know, with, I, I, don't, I, don't even, I mean, we already, we usually don't like shit on things, but, uh, just to clarify, I mean, we, we were pretty like critical of their, you know, their booking style and practices. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't like, I don't know. I've, I, I've heard horror stories, but I don't want to get into any of that because I don't want to. No, but I think it. John made a good good point there and yeah. kind of pinpointing Worcester and Lowell as. Yeah. I think that contract, that's, I hate to use the word organic, but yeah, might, might apply yeah. here where those are more. Um, like with, with the diversity of acts and yeah. that being a a thing that works versus in Boston having a for-profit company that's has shows all the time just to yeah it, it was to, and it was to artificially profit, create right? a scene yeah yeah and well here and also just to get like just to kind of clarify because honestly like I uh and I don't want to like labor it is I, I think that like there's it's cool to make some of the times those diverse bills and there's a way to do it but just to explain i just to clarify, I don't think, and uh, Glenn, you could probably, you could probably like testify this. I mean, I don't know exactly, but I, I get the impression that this wasn't like, um, you know, like let's make a di- diverse bill because it's like, I really like this no- noise group and I really like this folk group and I really like this, uh, you know, rock and roll band or whatever. And I like all of them and I think they, you know, we could make a cool diverse bill. I don't think it was that. I think it was more like, hey, look, look, we book shows. If your band needs a show, we can book it. And then let's just like sloppily throw this together and call it a scene because it's all diverse because it's different shit. To me, that doesn't work because it's just kind of like throwing stuff together and calling it a scene. You know what I mean? And, I think also uh, I, I try to imagine how in this day and age you really make money booking shows. Like I mean, right, I get exactly. it if you're doing big bands, but like at the level of everyone around Boston, like what are you what are you fighting over? 
like 50 bucks and two drink tickets <laughs> yeah yeah seriously yeah no that's Ten like bucks. Yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly Ten bucks and yeah. one drink ticket yeah <laughs> This reminds me of bands making fun of TTs when we'd see shows, especially bands from Europe, like mocking the drink ticket policy all the time. And I love yeah. going to see shows at TTs, but I, I was like, yeah, welcome. <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. I'll buy you a five dollar. Not, not that, but... yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it it's is actually not glamorous. <laughs> That's why when we when we show but... shows, we like to bring two racks of thirties, yeah. amounts of pizza. We'll, we'll treat people we try we try our best to add that little hospitality element yeah especially at like house shows or like uh like dorchester art project or something but um but yeah i mean it's yeah exactly i mean it i don't know i could go on but uh yeah then i, I don't know with like because i feel like too with a, a lot of scenes uh that you know, there's, it's really even like, there's like, like say like Boston, you really have just like multiple scenes, but there's, there's overlap, you know what I mean? And there's yeah. like, even within scenes, there's different pockets of stuff. Um, so, I mean, all right. So actually to go back to you going to college. Uh, so you actually, uh, what college did you go to? I went to Wentworth, nothing exciting. I, was, I commuted down there. Right? I wasn't sure what I wanted to do and I wanted to be able to make money. So I went to engineering school. Oh, <laughs> My worth was also pretty cheap back then. So I commuted down there up to Mission Hill, which is, which is fun driving to Mission Hill every day. Nice. Okay. And uh, actually I biked for a long time. I used to be one of those like year round jerk bicyclist people. <laughs> and then after getting, I got doored a bunch of times. And then I think I did that for five years and then I haven't really bicycled in a long time since. Yeah. Um, and were you going to shows like even in Boston, even before college, or did you get into them? A little like bit. Uh, my my high school girlfriend was from Malden, so we when I, oh. outside of New Hampshire stuff, we would go down there, and I saw a few smaller shows, and then I kind of it. And let's see, I moved down to Medford. I was working at Redbones and a couple. I worked at a few. I worked in Harvard Square for a little while at another bar. I think at that age, honestly, I was just kind of partying because I was like. 19 you could drink underage so i was just doing that sure and then um i'd go to see some smaller shows i had a co-worker that was really into them so me and her would go see uh i got into girlfriends oh nice um okay. we'll, see, we'll see besides girlfriends there is oh god there's a there's another a bunch of those surfy garage bands at that time i just remember this other one had a, band, a song called baby you're a starfish young adults <laughs> That's all I remember. Does that ring a bell? I think, like what year is it no i got a uh, would have been like 2008 or nine okay yeah Maybe like, sorry i'm gonna google my mechanical keyboard the thick shakes that's who it was that we used to go oh so. okay yeah that was, was that actually first the show? first house show we ever went to yeah uh it was our first the first house show um and we didn't know who they were or anything um but they uh it was in wool at this place called the dirty douglas that uh thick shakes was on the bill and did you ever see sin busters I might have, but I don't know the name off my head. Okay, yeah, they also played, and I don't know if you know Hurricanes of Love. I do know that name, yeah. Yeah, not not a garage group, but it was which was also kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, Frank Hurricane Hurricanes of Love played. Uh, it's also Ladder Legs. I don't know if you remember them, but yeah, I, they, they may have just been they may have been Lowell based. I'm not sure. It's been so long. I and the Human Tale was another one. 
That's the hard thing is I've started forgetting shows, especially that time period where I was kind of mostly partying and going to shows. I'm like, I don't totally, like I remember going to see um, the Thick Shakes and the OCs play at um, the Magic Factory. It was like a practice space in Brighton oh, somewhere. Oh, the Magic Room? Yeah, the yeah. Magic Room. I remember that show. And then we go see a lot of shows at, um, at um, oh God, this is depressing. The, um, I remember the name of the diner car in Davis Square that I used to eat at Rosebud. Oh, Rosebud. At Rosebud. I go see shows there. And then, oh, shit. Uh, there were the shows Charlie's, there. Charlie's. Yeah, there yeah, were we shows there. Go on. The Charlie's Monday. I think it was Charlie's Monday night shows or something. They would do yeah. shows. And then free ones at Zuzu when those started up. Right. It's getting me all uh, excited yeah, wow. about things. I'm going to have to try the beer right, right now. Right now. Just for out of old time's sake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, just random but off topic but one thing I would say I love all about Red Bones I mean I haven't been there during this mm-hmm. pandemic but uh run me when you were saying you were bartender at Red Bones it was like the cheapest beer you could get like today even or maybe not exactly today because the pandemic but pre-pandemic it was like 250 or something 263 for a PBR yeah yeah exactly yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean it was a, a tenor- show well, they had like the <laughs> 10 and a half ounce one, which is like, you know, close enough. But uh, that's oh, yeah, a small, you that small one, one you get. The little ones. <laughs> I do. Because, well, yeah, it's, it's like two something still. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's just cool because you don't, you know, really get that too much, especially in that in Davis Square. You're not going to find that. Get control. One, two, three, four. <laughs> you about um when you got to uh college and when you started going to shows in boston so you 
saying it was around like 2008. Yeah, basically early 2008, late 2007. I was working in the bar and going to some show, not a ton, but a fair amount. And then I went to go see that OC show and I kind of got more into them and started getting into more of like more local stuff. Again, besides the stuff that I just gone to, like, you know, at that point, I go in the shows just to go hang out with people and drink and then i started getting in more into the bands that went on i became a big fan of girlfriends and probably saw most of their shows and then even when they were bent shapes kind of kept seeing i probably saw possibly almost every single local bent shapes show for a while i used to go see them all the time oh wow yeah, yeah really we cool. incredible like you specifically yeah. went to go see them yeah i used to i mean i definitely there's i tend to get kind of focused on specific bands like they're one of the bands that i definitely a handful of times showed up to their shows and I was like one of three people or probably the only person there. I definitely saw them at precinct once in the back room. And I was the only person who showed up. <laughs> it also happened seeing the nice guys once. And I think G Gordon might've opened. It was the downstairs of the can't tab, my friend, Mike, and I'm like kind of weird about showing up on times for shows, which is stupid considering everyone's on punk time, but we showed up on time for a rosebud show, which meant we were an hour early. So we were like hanging out in the Rosebud and basically no, no one showed up. And I think the nice guys basically played Andy California might've played there. There was, I forget who put it on. It was someone new and yeah, there was nobody. It was literally nobody else there, but it was a good show. It was fun. And the nice guys invited me to my awesome. first show at Black Lodge. That was kind of cool. Oh, hell yeah. That was years later, but that was right. Uh, well, I was going to say, uh, Actually, that reminded me of, of a of a point of like there was a uh, we had that the Ramalama Ding Dong uh, the first one we did and uh, it was like a kind of a mixed bag where we the first was at uh, Bohemia and um, Andy California and G Gordon Gritty played and there's actually a shot of you on uh, the G Gordon Gritty like because I think you, won, <laughs> you like made a recording of it where it's like live at Club Bohemia. And and it, it it was actually pretty funny is that um, there yes, were like all these people from, from up there's all these people from upstairs that weren't like really like there and they were all just like you know they didn't like pay or anything and and I think and then you know like Mickey like kicked most of them out or whatever because they they just got none of them like paid or whatever is that the they, one where they all walked downstairs and were like just like broing down and the band oh, started yeah. and they all immediately walked out. I remember yeah. that happening once at the downstairs at Club Bohemia. Yeah, yeah, it was like a mixture of that, and I think even like Mickey was like, "Where the fuck?" or whatever, because uh, <laughs> yeah, because like you know, yeah, like none of them, you know, yeah, they were just coming from like upstairs. It's it wild that people just like, wanted to bro out there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was whatever. I mean, uh, you know, but uh, it was funny though that at least like one of them was still like stuck around, and there's like a shot of like a, like on a photo of like just like like looking into like the i think my friend kyle took the picture or whatever just like taking a picture and and uh the one of just like with a beer just sort of like smiling and then and then i see but you're in that picture as well john <laughs> it's like it, it's funny now. it's in black and white it just looks like really like it looks really cool i'll have to send it to you if i, yeah, if definitely. I find it. um so but yeah the, that was a few years ago but uh or like almost five years ago now. but going a little bit back to girlfriends um I only saw them, we, we saw them a few times, and then we saw them again a few other times as bent shapes, but I always really dug them, and um, we actually, they were one of the first local bands, actually, I'd say that they were like the first local band that 
that we saw that we really, you know, like not counting just like stuff from like stu suburbs or whatever, which never really got too big into that anyway. But it's like 2010, we saw them open for Harlem. I don't oh, know nice. if you were at that show. I was not, but how, how was, it's funny. I, so I didn't really like Harlem when I initially heard them. And then uh, my partner really likes Harlem and was playing them recently. And I was like, I really like this now. And I remember hearing them years ago and thinking I was like total crap. And now I'm like, oh, I guess I have to bite my tongue on that one. They're actually really, I like them now. <laughs> yeah, they're one of yeah. my favorites. Maybe I heard the wrong record. I have no idea. Yeah, they were one of our favorite bands. We really, really loved them. And that's that's who we went to see. It was at Great Scott. And this was like May or this was like April 2010. Nice. Um, I think I didn't want to like them initially because they had that Matador record and it was getting a lot of good reviews. And people couldn't believe people were hating on them because they weren't like true they felt like they had maybe gotten too big for a lot of the garage punk stuff so oh, okay. i remember being kind of swayed by like these haters on them but then <laughs> but then you realize that that doesn't even matter so you just kind of yeah. listen to it on your own but like there's it's weird how there's so many we can get into that later maybe I don't know yeah, if you if yeah, you experienced any of that. Yeah, it's a thing, I think. Oh, no, I totally, I know what you're talking about. I mean, it was really, especially if you were in like, in the music on the internet or like Terminal Boredom or Goner Forum, like, yeah. you know, I like that stuff, but there was definitely the like, the cool police was a very real thing. And that was even just music year, like, which is kind of, you know, there's, an, I have mixed opinions on, not to go on a tangent aside, like mixed opinions on that with shows were like, it's nice now that people are way more friendly at shows. Like, I don't, can't remember the last time besides, well, besides you guys talking about the Foo Fighters or like big arena shows where I heard somebody like tell a band that they fucking suck. But like, definitely the first shows I started going to in middle school, like people would like openly antagonize the bands or I feel like people used to go see bands just to tell them they sucked, which doesn't seem to be much of a thing anymore, which, you know, it's good, but it also, it takes out some of like the, I feel like some of the, the negative wild energy that you got out of bands sometimes was from that especially when it's things like the gories or stuff you hear stories from them where they're like yeah. our best shows are because we hated the audience which you know isn't necessarily a good thing but it oh, that's a really good point yeah that's a great really point uh i would say actually uh with johnny and the food masters we <laughs> definitely do experience that so i guess we're an exception to that but the uh, Janie johnson show was wild that was, I thought that was okay, a yeah. fight in the bar that was good <laughs> yeah uh yeah exactly well there was also uh one's band with g gordon gritty like uh he infamously uh cleared a room i mean which i mean that happens from time to time but this was pretty massive where they they actually stopped the show um and the the promoter was just like uh yeah sorry yeah you you caused 74 people to walk out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you ever so, go there Jimmy Johnson? Johnson? No, McGann's. Yeah, that's where the show was. It was North like, End. it's uh, near like... Or oh, is, is the capacity there even 74 people? Like, where did, <laughs> where did that happen? Well, that's, I know, that's the thing. With like, I, I know, oh, I never man. know if someone was accounting or whatever, but I, I, I distinctly remember that just because it was like, I was standing right there and it was, it, it, it was just so like, it was just so like weird and it was awkward an and I remember that. Yeah, we're, I mean, it really was. Like well, people what actually happened left was, again, in genuine, they genuinely left. Yeah, so what happened was with this one where, uh, you know, kind of like going back to what we were saying earlier with these kind of things where they're like, let's throw together a bill with like 
all these different kinds of bands, but really they, they weren't really doing that per se. It was more just like, Oh, Hey, like you need a show to, you know, book kind of thing. Um, or you need it like, you know, you need need a show. And so someone would stuck like G Gordon gritty on, on with, you know, kind of like generic rock stuff or like folksy sort of stuff. Yeah. And, um, I, I think I knew before, like I, you know, I wasn't, I was just a spectator. I was a, uh, you know, just there to see G Gordon Gritty. And I think before the show, I knew I'm like, okay, this isn't, this is like going to be a shit show because this crowd is so not like prepared for this. Yeah. It's not uh, going to go over well. <laughs> this noise rock band or whatever you want to call it. And, um, and I think one of the things that, uh, I didn't like, I don't know. I, I, they were like, Oh, I was talking to someone who was in one of the other bands and they were like, I think they were like a folky kind of thing. It was, and it was like really mainstream sounding. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody likes folk. It's, you know, <laughs> one of those. It's like, yeah, I don't <laughs> you can play during the day outside and people will stand around and watch it no matter how good or bad it is. Not no insult to folk musicians, but that's just the reality. Of it. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No insult to folk musicians, generally speaking. But like, and again, so this this was like generally like every like the four bands before G. Gordon Grody were more um, like, uh, you know, playing to like a crowd, a bar, essentially. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it wasn't as much of a show. And I think the, sure, it was technically the headliner. Band, yeah yeah well no, i think the thing that gave me like the clue that this is like not the right crowd is i was talking to one of the people in one of the other bands before like the show and they were like oh what kind of music is it and it, which is g garden gritty is kind of hard to describe and i'm like i don't know i guess it's kind of like outsider and he's like oh what's 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 that and i'm like i'm trying to explain it. and i gave like i don't know i I'm like an example like daniel johnson or whatever and he didn't know who Daniel Johnson was. And I'm oh. like, all right, whatever, whatever. But that's one, that's one indicator. But I'm like, yeah, whatever. But then we were, st- I don't know how it came up in conversation, but then the like the Stooges came up. And I, I and I mentioned the Stooges, and he's like, oh, I don't know them. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> like, I'm usually not one at all to be like, you don't know this or you don't know that. But and even if you hadn't actually like listened to it if you don't if you didn't know the name or familiar that's like some real generic rock fan band kind of thing i don't know you know what i mean yeah no usually if you're playing music you've heard of probably both of those bands or at least one of them yeah exactly semi-approachable at the very least usually depending on who you're talking to i guess yeah exactly i mean especially like the stooges that so that that you know like i don't know it was just that was like i'm like huh so when all so like when those so when like when four kind of like generic sort of bands played and then G Gordon Gritty went on, it was just you know, mass exodus. Yeah, not not a thing. Yeah. Um anyway, so that that's that good story though. Story. So I think between the two bands though, there's been I guess one yeah, I mean, to your point earlier, I, I think it's true though that people are a lot nicer yeah friendlier um and generally that's the case even with those bands but we've definitely had our share of people that have uh approached us and um let us know that it was it was it was terrible or something <laughs> yeah i remember didn't you get called the worst band in cambridge or something yeah so uh well this guy you were at the show where it was like mr airplane man sticker shock food masters is from a couple of years ago yes 
at uh, Club Bohemia. And after the set, uh, I was not personally approached, but Glenn was, and so were uh, two other members of Food Masters. And the guy was just like, was it Glenn? He was like, he was like, that was, I've been going to shows for 20 years and that's the worst. You're the worst band I've ever seen. Was it the old guy that bartends there? The cranky old guy? I like him, but is that? <laughs> no, no I don't think it was just like, it was just, <laughs> no, no, it, was, it was a, it was a Mr. Airplane Man fan. Oh, um, okay. Uh, but yeah, they're fan. Well, they were big enough. Their fan base is all over the place. Yeah, you know. but yeah. He, I think he said. Yeah, 40 ironically. Years. Oh wow! There you go. Uh, ironically, though, they Mr. Airplane Man have been like huge supporters of. They're awesome. <laughs> Tara and um, can't think of her name right now. Are both really uh, Margaret. Su- Margaret are like yep. super friendly and into all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. I mean, and they're. I mean, they're really like an institution around here as far as like, uh, you know, rock and roll stuff, garage stuff for like, I mean, even they like get to kind of like, you could say they go much far past that like genre, that label, but you know, somewhat of that like association and they've been around for, you know, forever. They're um, cool because it's something that's different enough that I think people who like a more punk or garage thing can like it but they as their records went on especially after Monin, they kind of hit a point where they they're approachable enough that most people would like them i think now like they can play it at woods and it's not gonna like be weird as like yeah, other exactly. the monsters but like the monsters couldn't exactly like i saw andy california actually play it at woods with um Hilton, yeah, and, yeah. and they did like their they did like what I would describe as the adult contemporary version of their performance and it was fucking awesome i was like wow this is actually really cool when he like he wore a uh like a sequin jacket like he was graham parsons or something he must have taken it from hilkin's store and they did like a less creepy version of the indie california set it was really good yeah yeah totally you're um, saying they, they toned I think I was down out. for that performance i this the, you know how he's like usually in the audience and kind of messing with people just because yes. it's atwoods he did less of that and did more of like i would say more of like a picketing grin kind of vibe. same songs just didn't go around as much yeah and it, it worked it was equivalent to the time that, that uh lightning bolt played at sinclair like i love their basement shows and that's how i saw them was playing practice spaces and studio stuff but like seeing them do a stage show it's like oh you guys are you're really good you make even like a you know a stage show really cool that makes sense. Mm-hmm. right that's what you're saying yeah actually i Gonna just, I just didn't want to forget and go, going back, but you mentioned uh, the OCs, uh, the Magic Room show, uh, and uh, that was with Thick Shakes, right? Yeah, there was more band. There was uh, either three or four bands. I really wish I remembered more of it. All I remember is, you know, I, I honestly just don't remember much of the show. Like I said, I remember buying wine out of a cooler. They were selling cassette tapes, which I thought was funny because I wasn't buying cassettes then. John Dwyer made a joke about his mom kicking his ass <laughs> and they played um I remember songs from help but I don't I don't know <laughs> it was like 11 years ago now Damn. right right no, no it was a good I show would... it made an impression on me I was I was like, oh, this is cool Shit. yeah we never I don't I don't know uh I don't know if we knew them yet at the time or whatever but uh I just remember hearing about that show and like years after it you know I remember hearing about it and um, we <clears throat> saw Mark Sultan at that venue That's in cool. 2011. I don't know if you were at that one. I was not. No, I didn't catch that. Um, I wish I'd seen that. Been awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It, but it, it was like that was the other than those two shows. 
and I, I'll be honest, I haven't really looked, <laughs> done too much other like research, but just, just being around I, those two shows, I haven't like heard of anything else. They uh, might not have done much else there. I, I just remember it was a practice space and I think it was owned by the father of or some girl that played in a band around that time that was trying to put out like a more major, like a professional record. I forget her name. I hung out with a bunch of people who I didn't really know. So I just remember what they would yeah. talk about and I don't really remember anybody else. Right. I, I might be going crazy, but I, for some reason, I, I feel like I read somewhere that they were like, uh, I don't know, I might be thinking of something different. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like they were doing, they were going to like bring back that venue, but like not in Boston, but it was somewhere else. Oh, interesting. Like, Massachusetts I don't know or either that or I'm thinking of something else but you just reminded me we said that like someone's like yeah, you know like some girl or like her father whatever and it's where that just like triggered something in my head that I'm I, I, I don't know I'm gonna like look into it yeah it was but, a neat space I mean I remember the time yeah, it was well, mostly a practice space that happened to do shows but did something happen yeah, there I could, be, I could be what was that? that did something happen happen there that was the reason why the OCs never came back to Boston for like several years or something? I've, I've heard, I heard that. I don't think so. I think it was just reality. Yeah. Like when you're when you're booking and playing shows, and I've you know I used to bitch about. I used to always say like saying Boston's dead, even though not really. But I think it's just because a lot of bands that by the time you're up in the Northeast, you play New York, and then you scamper off to somewhere else. Like depending on who's doing your booking and stuff, and Boston's kind of an you know, as much as I love the area and grew up in there, it's like, it's not the easiest place to play shows or get sure. crowds sometimes. So I think a lot of bands just pass over it. And especially yeah, no, where makes, you have connections, like John Dwyer's yeah. got a big Providence connection. Like I, a lot of my, I had a lot of friends there that talked about seeing the OCs a lot in the early 2000s because they would just play the quiet sets there because you're going to your hometown. Why would you go an extra 45 minutes to another show? Right. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. Exactly. Dwyer, Dwyer's from Providence. So that well, makes, makes sense think. too. That like, yeah. That they, they, they might have not have realized how, how well, I hate to say it, but how maybe popular they were at the time. Yeah. Yeah. They did play great. Yeah. Wow. Pretty big following. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, too, like, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure they would have done fine, but it, it, yeah, you know, of course, but like, I, you know, because they did, they were pretty big and still are, obviously. But like, I think, you know, when you think about like the, the Providence thing, it, it would make sense for, uh, you know, John Dwyer to like play his hometown. Yeah, your whatever. friend's book show for you, whatever. I mean, Providence has a really cool closeness. I, I really used to hang out there. A lot of my friends, when they first started complaining that prices around Boston were too expensive in like 2012, which sounds like a joke now, they all moved down to Providence because you could rent like a gigantic house for like $700 on Federal Hill. So I started oh, wow. hanging out down there on and off and seeing a lot of cool, which is neat. Providence is way more of an arty, noisy scene to it, which was fun at the time. Right. And uh, yeah, and also too, like we were saying, like with the booking stuff, I mean, I'm sure it, it might be a little bit different because the OCs are a little bit of a bigger band, but even from our angle as like, as bookers, you know, um, I can already like say that it, it, it can get, it can get complicated sometimes, especially yeah. like in the middle of the week in Boston, uh, you know, um, Mondays were always great because of Zuzu and uh, Charlie's. We haven't booked anything at Charlie's, but, but they do the Monday night things. And 
yeah it, it's weird though uh i've even heard from people who uh i've heard from some bands booking tours that they're like and they were trying to i was trying to help them with something in boston i just just it just could just couldn't get anything just because it was just just didn't make any sense or just everything else was booked or whatever so yeah really certain tough. days of the week like why drive up to play a monday and then drive yeah. back past new york again when no one's going to show up like right and and they they would say they were like they're like honestly like everywhere else was easier to book it was like they're like it, boston was like the hardest thing to book and um you know it, it's it, you know sometimes that's not the case but i, I can definitely see why i mean i think that there's only so many shows that a number of people are gonna go to and but there's still a lot of shit kind of happening so we're like as opposed to maybe some other places where there's either like not much else happening or there's a ton of stuff happening that it has a chance of survive like yeah. maybe like new york city or something or la where there's just well, well even as you get to the other parts of the u.s like it's also way less like you know, growing up around Boston, like driving far to things is like, ugh, like how far are you going to cross a river? But like, yeah. you know, down here you go see a show and people show up from Charlotte, which is like two hours away. You know, as right. you get into other parts of the U.S., like people have no problem driving to a show mm-hmm. as we're in the Northeast. You're really outside of maybe that time that I saw you guys in New York to go see the Gories. Like, yeah. you know, you're not going to like travel to a show quite as much unless it's like a real long distance for like, you know, Goner Fest or something kind of big. True. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely um so yeah actually uh wanted to go a little bit further into since we've talked a lot about this like garage stuff um when you were getting into like girlfriends and more local stuff were you also like aware and listening to a lot of the the garage rock stuff bits and pieces i mean i knew the main the big things like i think i'd heard of the oblivions um the one that kind of pushed me into a lot of it was my my best friend who was a bit older than me had been to a lot of different shows and he got me into guitar wolf. And then, um, we were at, uh, I forget what record store, but we were at in your ear and they had the, uh, he found a copy of the first tunnel love CD. And he, I remember him being like, Oh, he's like, I, these guys used to shop at the bookstore I worked at in like the early two thousands. You'll probably love these guys. And we ended up listening to it on the car ride home. And I was like obsessed with like, I was like, Oh my God, everything I've done is wrong. Like my cover <laughs> born to be wild is insane. And then I, really? I suddenly like decided I was obsessed with noisy stuff and kind of just put a lot of effort into finding more of that. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I was listening to Tunnel of Love the other day. And, yeah, I mean, just one of my favorite bands ever. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I still haven't found anything that, like, comes close to it at all. Like, no, they, they they are unique in that. You can you, know you can do the raw yeah. thing, but their whole... And Andy's got a thing that works. Between yeah. the guitar playing and singing, it's, it's different enough that it's not repetitive, you know? And it, you can say it sounds like other things, but it doesn't quite. It's it's cool. And I really like their even their earlier kind of glamier stuff that they released on right. Bandcamp, the Tunnel Love one and two. That's it's like fun in its own sort of way. Oh, I agree. I mean it's it's yeah. excellent. And what's weird to, you know, I mean, I get I get I could just go on, but like with not only is it, yeah, it's just so raw that imperative with like the style that's been done so much but it, it you know it's, it goes beyond just like the garage punk yeah. garage rock thing but also like what i really appreciate about them is with a lot of their their discography they tend to get heavier and noisier and more fucked up 
<laughs> and more primitive yeah. as, it goes, as it goes along. Which is backwards from like everyone else. Exactly. Which is the opposite of like everyone else. But yeah, so um, even like cool, even a lot of cool underground bands, they're, they're not too many off the top of my head. I can, I can say that. But Yeah, they usually don't get heavier. Usually they get bored of that and kind of go to something more melodic or do something a bit more involved. It takes like, that I guess in a mainstream sense feels more complicated or whatever, or more involved, which I get, but now it's neat how they kind of kept breaking down. And then even like that, that other one he put on Bandcamp, a few, the ghetto fighters thing that was this him yep, and Makedo, yep. that's like even more raw. It's like, well, you really you made the tunnel of love even more stripped down. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, that, uh, I think, Oh no, never mind. That's the ghetto fighter. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, what is it actually? Is it, yeah, I have, I think I might have that seven inch. I have a, a couple of their seven inches. Oh, this one's just a free, if you go to, if you look up, Andy was doing a thing for a while, because I'm, oh, wait, hold I was on, a that, fanboy. Oh, it's a band. Oh, yeah. oh, right, the Ghetto Fighters band. I, I think I'm thinking of a different one. Yeah, no, I, I have listened to that. There's also, I think, Ghetto Child. Yeah, the EP they put out at some point. I yeah, think. I think I have that. Um, and then they did, yeah, he had another band called the Ghetto Fighters. And I think there's like a video of them at O'Brien's or something. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I have to double check. So much rock and roll. Yeah, whatever. I'll find some roll. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think I have that. I have a couple of their seven inches and uh, the two, or I have the two of their LPs. Nice. Yeah, I picked up the one that uh, was on Bodies of Waters at at the that Cambridge Elks show last year. Oh yeah, nice. That was cool when they started and they had all, all the stuff they had there, the shirts and the things that they put back out again, the CDs. It's it's neat. So stuff used to be really tricky to find. My copy of the first record is all like a water damaged copy. I got it in your ear for a couple bucks. And then years later, the first time actually I saw them on sewers, they were on tour with um crap. Jack of Heart, who they used to play with back oh, in the yeah. day. He played at O'Brien's with them. Right. And he had some more stuff. Show, it was it was good. That was that was the first time I and I had I didn't realize I actually went to see Jack of Heart. And I didn't reckon, recognize them. And the same guy that I was hanging out with was like, oh, Andy and Hilkin have a band now. And that's who the Monsoor, and that was the first time I ever saw them. Right. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. So, did, oh, did did you see Tunnel of Love like back in the day? I never got to see them now. I didn't know, I didn't know about them until after they were pretty much done. I think they played a show at, like when I first moved to the city. I think I remember seeing that they played at like, great scott or something it was like one of their last shows but i never went i never saw them until probably like two or three years later yeah i think by that point they would have been mostly done but i think uh, i the only reason i ask because i know they played some random ones like that and they played like the homegrown fest yeah um which like we were local music even at that point was like off our radar when yeah. we started kids like you and me as a blog we first like couple of years we didn't really know as much about local stuff we were more just talking about like kind of like uh other like garage stuff national yeah. shit and whatever but um but at that fest mark sultan and ty siegel were playing and we were gonna go and we just we didn't end up making it but uh, i in retrospect i looked at i've seen the flyer and, and tunnel of love was on that bill and it was even like at the time it was like then it's a it, like i i think it said like a a rare like a rare tunnel of love appearance so like me, yeah, like, like by that point they weren't really uh playing too yeah, frequently and I, yeah 
And I think they did. I mean, the great Scott one, I, I, I looked this up. I think it was like January 2011 or something. They did. They played like the Conks last show or something. Yeah, I want to, the Tampa might have played too either yeah, I can't and triple think a uh, triple thick i think also played yeah that sounds right i just geek out on this stuff and love looking up like old it's fun to say it's cool that you can find it now too yeah yeah definitely yeah. Um, i mean all those bands are fun too and they're like the conks are neat and it's kind of cool that they've all like trickled into like you know the guy the main guy there stuck some of that stuff into guitar hero or like the turpentine brothers and all those other bands that were around I yeah. like Triple Thick a lot. They're fun. Yeah, I've seen them a couple of times, and I never saw the Conks. Uh, Glenn, you saw them open for Mission of Burma Paradise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot about yep. that show. That was a show. Yeah. 2010. It would have been almost like 10 or 11 years ago now. Yeah. Today? I thought Mission Burma was great live when I saw them do that. I saw them do a Sinclair show too that was really good. Oh, that's oh, wow. cool. I forget what year that was. Yeah, I just we saw they brought out the guy from Gang Green at one point. That's all I really remember. Oh, shit. And I was being a baby. I was kind of drunk and I was annoyed they didn't play. That's when I reached for my revolver. I don't know why I wanted to hear that, but I decided I wanted to hear it and I was kind of annoyed they didn't play it for some reason. Yeah. Not I mean, that I have any right song. to care what that is, but I was like, <laughs> I want to hear this song. Yeah, yeah, I think I felt the same yeah, way. I mean, it's, honestly, <laughs> yeah, they um, let's see, yeah, we saw them at Somerville Theater in cool. 2009. Yeah, and the neighborhoods also played. They were like, oh, that's uh, neat. Yeah, yeah, old Boston, and but um, yeah, that'd be good old Boston, piece of heart, crew. So and, do you know? Uh, do you know Chris and Michael John? Oh. Oh yeah, good question. So I think he, this is a good. Uh, we were talking about this actually in the breaks because when you mentioned the, uh, you said like a couple that looked like what was it like you said? A oh, they played like wave. an eighties Swiss new wave. Band. Yeah, yeah, That that must be them. I, I used to just call them in my mind the benefactors, but I, I've seen them at like at pretty much every show I've gone to. I'm like, oh, it's those people that I don't. I just see them everywhere. Yeah, it's impressive how many shows they go to. They're amazing. They're uh, they're good people and uh they've been involved in the local scene for a long time <clears throat> and uh michael actually you mentioned gang green um michael produced uh some some of the 80s hardcore stuff he, oh, cool. i think he produced gang green uh he was one of the producers on uh this is boston not la that's neat yeah yeah he i mean he would probably blush or whatever if, because yeah you know with the, with the praise but because they really they're what i love about them so much is that they they're always like you said they go to like every show you'll see them like at every show but they're also always interested in like what's happening yeah and regardless of genre like i've seen them at way more quieter acoustic shows at the noisier show i remember seeing them at gorilla toss definitely every show andy played um yeah countless nice guys yeah i can't keep track of how many shows them at yeah. basement shows at the wazoo <laughs> yeah exactly um, the benefit yeah, exactly. well so yeah yeah were you go going to uh when you were started to get into the this stuff like the in like 08 07 or 09 were you, were you going to the uh, like house shows in boston too only a couple i actually didn't really go to as many until later on i probably went to like maybe five i remember going to 
and I don't even, like I said, it was kind of a time where I'd go with my friends who were all in the bands. And I was like the friend who just kind of went around went, went along drinking and went off. But we, we uh, the butcher shop, I think was one that we would go. I remember going to see punk shows yeah, there. Yeah. And then later on, probably more like after, because I moved away for six months in like 2011. And then I was back in 2012. And then I remember going to see shows at, uh, I started going to see, I saw shows periodically at the Black Lodge at one point. Um, yeah. Box Fort. I think I went to Trixie's place once or twice. I didn't go to a ton of house shows, but when bands I liked were playing at them, I would go because I don't know. I'm kind of lazy. I lived in Medford. Those things were far away. So like, I didn't always want to drive right. all the way across the river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I take exactly. a train and then have to take like a $35 cab ride home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember seeing you at like a lot of times like Mont- Montour shows or whatever, or like nice guys over the years. Pretty much stocked those bands. I, I think yeah. I saw the, too, I, see, I, saw the I forget when I saw the monsters and started following them after the O'Brien show, the nice guys, I saw them first time at like, I think middle East up. And I remember thinking they were like, they fucking, I even told the band this when I was talking to them one night. Cause I used to talk to them from seeing them so much. I was like, yeah, I thought you guys really sucked. And then like a week <laughs> later I saw them. I don't know why I suddenly decided that they were awesome. And then I just started seeing them. All. I think I, there was like one or two songs that I just thought were hysterical. And I was like, I have to see this band every time they play. I was like, and I think too, like at that point, they were just have like egging the audience and the chucking empties at them, and just, it was just so stupid. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, they actually are. I thought just thinking about this the other day, but uh, we've seen them more than any other band, like no uh, competition at at all. They played like, a lot. Seen, yeah, yeah. How many we've times seen them have over we seen them? Time. Oh, over a hundred. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but it's definitely over a hundred. And so, yeah, and, and they, I mean, still one of our favorite bands in Boston, but definitely the, in the early days, that was a huge attraction to us was that sort of like lighthearted, like, yeah, yeah like the, the rest the empties or whatever. Stinker and, and cop walk. And I trusted yeah. you. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. All that, all that stuff. And, and chambers. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Good. Of course. That's a, that's a time, yeah. time in history. Yeah. 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 And like, I, I think I know even like what you mean, where like, especially when the, as a younger band, I think they were very, um, and that was p- part of like the appeal, at least for us, I think, was that they were sort of like sham- shambling or this sort of like ramshackle thing where, um, you know, you kind of didn't know exactly what you were necessarily going to get from them, but I think that actually, that you know, that's what made them really, really awesome. If you even listen to their like first demo, there is there is it is kind of like it was a lot more amateur, but I think that's was part of their charm, and and I think you know it's funny there are certain shows too where where they really did, um, it really came through. And yeah. they, they just got better and better, but and then and then some some part of me though is also like still yearning for the that early sort of spark as well. well. There's a there's a fine amount of caring you have to. You don't want to care too much, and you don't want to care too little. It's like it has to be enough caring that you put a little effort in, but not so much that you're like too good at something. Right. Especially when you're doing that garage thing, <laughs> like then it just becomes someone trying to dumb down their own playing and their music, and that doesn't usually come it off. It seems as, like maybe what made the hunch is so good. Yeah. I sense you're a big Hunches fan. I I love the Hunches. They're awesome, and I and I like all of it. Even their, I you know I, 
I usually blame it on being from the Boston suburbs. I have a soft spot for some like Billy Squire and Van Halen and like the stuff that I liked when I was younger, when I learned to play guitar, like I got into it and just kind of held on to it. So the hunt, cause the hunches started out kind of like that. I don't say glammy, but if you've heard the more recent, almost ready stuff, they're kind of a bit more of a glam garage rock band that kind of delved into that whole in the red blown out craziness that I really liked. I forget how I even first heard them, but a lot of that stuff I got into, there was, it was just going to mystery train and buying lots of records and CDs. And I ended up with, um, there was these, this compilation that apparently came out in 2002. I bought it 10 years later, but rough trade shops, the record store put out a two CD set on meat records. It was all just like rock and roll and garage rock. I had like embarrassment, boss hawk, electric eels, dirt bomb stooges, Detroit Cobras, rocket from the tombs, the hives. It was, it just okay. had tons of stuff on it. It's a crazy, you can get the CD two, two CD set That's for cool. a couple bucks. It was, got me into a ton of cool bands and then um in the red it had a had a which is what i named the show after besides the hunches but a, um, a compilation called static disaster that just had all of their like noisy bands on it it's, it's an awesome 27 track cd that's just like everything on it's good and from that i just think i just kind of got obsessed and just started tracking down compilations and stuff from the band store 54 reopened at some point and he had oh, wow. everything yeah. from um because he, he opened in the basement across from o'brien's and was having a lot of stuff from um that used to be at looney tunes and i was going in there like every week and just buying like every punky or garage rock thing he had and it was cool talking to wayne and those guys about whatever they had for sale and they would just play the records for you it was really neat Oh, that's awesome that sounds yeah totally like you really immersed yourself in that kind yeah i tend to just go for thing. the things when i do and that stuff i just liked it so much and it was like it's fun discovering things buying compilations and mm-hmm. i don't i'd had records since i was an early teenager like things i just bought at yard sales way back things i would just buy weird junk so i had like some like you know 60s garage records but i got more into buying like um the nuggets compilations and newer stuff and you know, then like you find out about Killed by Death and um, all of those yeah. kind of compilations, the Crypt Records stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Support. And going to Weirdo had a lot of really cool stuff. I got into that bit more noisy stuff too. I ended up, um, what year was that? In two, at some point in the, along the line, I ended up getting a, I went from bar work and the day jobs and I bounced around a bit. And I ended up getting a job where I get to go to Japan every once in a while. So while I was over there, I would go record shopping and which is really funny to just go buy all kinds of weird Japanese noise records and jazz. And they have a really cool underground scene there. So I'd go to work and at night run off and hop on the train and go try and catch punk. Show. I got to see the King brothers at the shelter in Tokyo, which was oh, damn. Shit. like one of the <laughs> coolest things ever. Lot. Yeah. I got to go to the so poor cool. cow after. So that was really fun. Yeah. We saw King brothers at Goner Fest last year. And it is, uh, if not the, like probably the, up pretty high up there for like the one of the wildest shows i've ever seen it, they're crazy yeah and it's interesting because they're intense and wild but like they're not aggressive if that makes sense like they're not you don't ever feel like it's a personally aggressive show but the energy of it is just right that shit points it, yeah that for me when i saw that that was that's like that's the bar you know what i mean as yeah. far as like and and the physicality of that kind of performance it was just oh my god it was just it was so wild but and i i don't know like exactly how this what what like happened or if i think they were the it was part of like the show so uh but like there was a guy who got up on stage at at, at goner fest during there's and um i mean he started singing along and then he took the mic and just smashed it into his head repeatedly and he was just 
like Ooh. gushing blood. It was just cr- like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Oh, wow. It's like something you, yeah, like some kind of like G.G. Allen thing or whatever. But, uh, you know, I mean, and, and it's funny. And, and like, not, you know, King Brother said, just kept rolling on. And, you know, I mean, I think yeah. it was even like part of the set, I, I, you know, show. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it was just crazy. And it just goes to show just how like much pandemonium is happening during yeah. their. I mean, their stuff's out. Have you listened to their records at all or? I've listened to uh, uh, I, I don't think I've listened to any of their albums, but I've listened to like uh, a handful of their songs and yeah. watched a bunch of their like once a bunch of their videos on uh, like live shows yeah. on YouTube, and I've listened to some of the songs and so, yeah, it sounds pretty sick. I, it's a crazy transition heard. between their albums because like their first ones on Bulb, which was like that noise label out of Somerville in the '90s, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. basically like 20 minutes of just the feedback portion of a Jimi Hendrix song. I mean, it's it's good, but it's just like completely it's really intense and then right. that second one in the red is like a pretty solid like it's got poppy rock elements and then their newest one that came out like a year or two ago is like you almost wouldn't recognize it's them like live they're not like that but it's like a regular record if that makes sense it's weird yeah no i think i know what you mean because i noticed that sometimes just listening to some of their songs it there was like a contrast from just how intense like the live show but it's cool they come out of Osaka and Osaka doesn't really have as much of a music scene as other cities in Japan like Tokyo is kind of where everybody goes so Osaka which is where I used to go for work is, is neat to go because it's like the I guess you could not a good example but it's kind of like Boston to New York like if Tokyo was the New York it's the Boston the people who are doing it they're doing their own thing and have no interest in really going because you don't you won't go anywhere with it there there's the, the only the big thing there is there's a place called um shit called uh, the guy from the boredom owns boredoms runs it it's like a noise venue that's pretty big and there's a couple other small things in osaka that do like live shows they call them live houses there but it's it's fun they've got a neat underground scene it's a really nice. cool i've played them on my show called mule team those okay. guys were in this band called discos that was like a create something like the coach whips basically but japanese kind of in that vein that sounds awesome yeah, if you check, you can look on check out episode sounds. It's a label out of over there, and then um, the guy there used to be there was a band out of um, Pennsylvania called um, Test Patterns. It was this guy Dan and his wife. She she had been in a Japanese band called Guido Guido Hustler. Anyways, they live over there and they run a a, a pizza shop in Kyoto called Pot Pizza that has a lot of cool neat shows at. And he's just like. I wandered in there. I had a day off, so I stayed in a hostel and went to visit him. And he just like introduced me to everyone and took me out drinking. I got to go see um, a bunch of newer versions of bands from other people from Japan. And we saw, um, oh, what the hell is it called? I can't. Basically, a bunch of fir- the newer bands of people who are in like those first wave of Japanese punk bands all still play around there and like power pop bands and stuff. It's it's a cool scene. Yeah, totally. No, I gotta check it out. Yeah, I appreciate all the information because I'm not as uh, knowledgeable about that, uh, that like that scene or that there, or too much really too much Japanese stuff. And yeah, check out a, Secret Mission yet. Records is a good one to look up. Secret Mission episode sounds okay, cool. And, yeah. and, and if you want older weird stuff, was um, there's a record label out of Tokyo called a PSF. It's a psychedelic speed freaks, and they put out. It's more, I play once in a while on my show. It's more like psyche jam stuff from like the 80s and 70s, but it's cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, and this is what I I love hearing this different stuff because, you know, like, you know, we we all love 
the genre of uh, garage, you know, garage music. And it's just one of those things that I feel like a lot of times, you know, and with good reason, it gets a lot of hate. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and like, and I've thought about this a lot. And, you know, I think sometimes people, it's maybe because, I mean, it's a loose genre, just like, I mean, a lot of just like punk, just like a lot of things where it could be a number of things, but, um, you know, different styles within that genre. But, uh, you know, and and a lot of people, a lot of times, even once good stuff that could be totally derivative or there's, you know, bands that, especially like nowadays, there's a lot of bands that have that tag on their, their name or, you know, attached to the name or on Bandcamp, And and then you listen to it and you're like, this doesn't sound anything like a garage band. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think now it's also like late, you know, when communication was less obvious or there was less, you know, internet things like it was easier, not that it was a good thing, but it was easier to have a label on something that was more of a certain thing as we're now it's kind of like you know i I guess i would say everyone's everything like you know there was a period when i was younger like if you saw you could assume if someone had a tattoo or a certain haircut or a jacket like oh they're probably cool but now you would never do that because Mm -hmm. they might you know you you know you not that you should have been doing that in the first place but you know i mean that was like the identifying thing was like how people dressed or like the label the band was now it's not really much of a thing anymore because you know not bad thing it's like everyone's a bit of everything i guess yeah, I I definitely get what you, I get what you mean, and um, yeah, and like, for, I think for me, like what I was trying to get at with like the garage thing is that there there is so much that even like you know there, are, I mean it's true of every genre, but I, I feel like with a lot of garage rock, I mean there are kind of like these slucky sort of shitty bands, of course, like just like any other genre, but I, I feel like because in general, the genre, you know, is of, you know, people have just think of like naturally the sixties or whatever. It's like, all right. So it's like, great. So they're doing this thing again or whatever. But then when you start to mention these names and these different like styles within the genre and different, uh, you know, even different time frames and different parts of the region, it's like, I'd hope people think of that and they don't just like push it aside you know just push the genre aside and yeah. be like oh well I've, I've heard that before you know it's like i've heard it before you know it's like that you know it's like yeah maybe not you know maybe check out like something like king brothers or hunches or tunnel of love or whatever or just you know it could be a number of bands it's like i don't know because I, I i know a lot of people and like i said with good reason that are very much like oh i'll just whatever you know I've, I've heard enough garage stuff yeah oh they're just not into it what's like the awkward thing i was talking to some i went to this thing and i went to the debaucherino thing a few years ago and i was ended up talking to some older oh, yeah. other guys there about it and we were just talking about like you know when you have a when you stop working in bars or whatever you need to put like you know air quotes an adult job and you you have that guy you work with who's in the music and you're like oh you like music and you're like oh yeah i like this and like you feel like you're an asshole when you're talking about the bands you like because you know that this, this guy is like really into like you know, middle-aged white guy blues, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I got just don't want to feel like a dick to be like, well, well, I like this band and this band. It's like, well, he's never fucking heard of them. (laughs) And like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be pretentious. It's like, this is the thing I'm into. Or or like, you play it for somebody and you're like, you know, unless you like it, I can't explain to you why I think Teen Generate sounds good because I acknowledge that it's like, probably not going to sound good to you, but I think it sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and they're a perfect example. And also going off like the Japanese garage punk kind of stuff, perfect example too but also just because of how just how how like rough and noisy their recordings are oh, yeah. um 
yeah, I, I've played them for people before too, and yeah, people just yeah, they exactly they can't really like really like wrap their he- heads around it. Um, yeah, and uh, it yeah, I know what you mean though, and I've I've encountered that too, especially like in a work setting where you know people are like, oh yeah, exactly like music or whatever, and someone else might say like you know like killers or something or whatever or taylor swift or or whoever it is that's like a you know a bigger name yeah. and you're like uh black lips and they're like well who's that and then you kind of have to get into that and it's just like all right yeah well like, um, i'm gonna talk about, about that it's like when when someone at, when someone finds i'm vegetarian and when someone finds out you're vegetarian half the time it turns into a whole thing it's like i don't want to talk about why this is what i I eat. like I just I don't even want to have a conversation I don't have the energy to have a conversation about this with yeah, you yeah. <laughs> like yeah in a mean way it's like this is just a thing and oh god now I gotta yeah. explain it <sighs> right it's mm. totally fair but no, and also too like <laughs> like you say like the kind of the, the pretentious thing where people sometimes do it's really weird people like sometimes do think of it almost as like uh an oddly like pretentious thing for people to be into mute you know like stuff that might be obscure stuff that you know isn't isn't necessarily like uh, uh instantly recognizable or something yeah it's, and, it's more cathartic yeah it, <laughs> yeah it's just it's just kind of funny because like without even saying anything like in a snobbish way so one could just be like oh yeah i like um yeah like t-generate or i like you know whatever uh, like uh whatever the shags or whoever it is and you know to like someone who doesn't wouldn't know who the hell any of these things are they're gonna be like oh oh like what you know it's like oh is that like uh you know some hipster thing or whatever and then you know there's almost like this like anti yeah you know, I, don't label. know. I think people yeah. are just defensive people you know the reaction you're all everybody learned for generations and maybe we all learned as kids is like you know the defense is a good offense and if people think and even if they don't mean to be intentionally doing you know if you think that someone's going to be that way towards you 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 strike first (laughs) yeah i don't know how real that is but that's in my no i think that's a good point because i think that is a good point because like sometimes in those conversations i do keep talking and and you know and and, you know and then it seems like they're yeah they're not necessarily coming from like a malicious place they just they think so they, I think sometimes maybe, and maybe they have just encountered snobs or whatever before, and they, they might think that like, oh, that's where this person's going. Yeah. That. What's the know. traditional thing when you think about music? There's like the music snob. You know, that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, true. That was like part of record stores. <laughs> like you go in there and you get judged because you were wanted to buy a Green Day CD <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. It's like the high fidelity. Hey, thing so like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder thinking... that sometimes. But it's like, what? Yeah. oh no keep going and oh, then no. I'll say oh, i was just saying yeah it's, <laughs> no, no, i was just saying i think that i wonder sometimes if like and again not that i'm like old i'm like 33 but like people who are like very young like i worked with a guy at my last job who had never bought a cd before but i was like thinking like you know you wonder like do people i wonder if people realize that like when they watch high like that's what record stores were actually like <laughs> like i enjoyed it but like that's what it was really like <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, Glenn. Yeah, Glenn, you gotta see uh, High Fidelity. Yeah, I gotta add that to my list. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's also, I mean, at the time that I saw it, it's a great way to find bands. There's a lot of band stickers in that. Okay. That's true. And yeah. if you just write down band stickers, you see there's some. Cool. <laughs> that sounds. Not, they're not all great, but that's how I. Right. Well, I th- I think when I first saw it, um, 
I didn't know who, like pavement was. And I think you can see like a pavement poster yeah. or something there. Big ones I remember uh-huh. is there's a guy that comes in and they refuse. Um, Jack Black refuses to sell him a a um, Captain Beefheart album. He comes <laughs> in and tries to buy it like multiple times throughout the show, and he is like, "Not oh, today!" Wow. And the guy's like freaking out. It's like Trout Mask replica or something. But everything's been reissued now, so that's unrealistic. But there was a time when. You know, you had to pay forty dollars replacements record because you couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> right, wild brain right. tone. I was gonna yeah, say, yeah. Sorry that. Um, this I just thought of this random thing just because in honor of uh, how you run, we we gotta get more into your radio show. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sure. Actually, I know. Yeah, I totally. Uh, but I was just thinking in honor I, of, in honor of your radio that. show. Mm-hmm. If you if you only had this, we've never done this before. We usually only add. Um, we only usually have the talking portion. We never play music on the podcasts. We've mm-hmm. never done that. But I was wondering if if there's anyone to possibly toy with that idea would maybe be you, since you are a DJ. And if there were only three songs that you had that you could play, that you would want to be like your your three songs could would, would you be able to come up with that list or yeah i can i mean it it would probably change over time but i can think of some things off my head that would go you know that, that's really hard because there's been so many bands over the years that i like liked and i guess what i would do is pick the things that i've played or listened to the most mm-hmm. um i guess Oh man, I guess we'll keep it within that genre. And this is see, this is hard because there's so many classic. Where that's the thing where it's like, that's do I want to play the classic bands, or is this like, right. you know, I'm gonna be executed, so I want to hear the three songs that I just happen to really, really like. Um, well, I'm just gonna pick the one that I probably would be Coach Whip's "Hands on Controls" would be top three. I I love that song. It wasn't the first album there's I got. I found the second one at In Your Ear years ago. So I was like, oh, it's the guy from the OC's old band. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah, so that's cool. the controls. Um, what are the other songs I listen to a lot? Oh, well, I guess I, I wouldn't normally have thought to pick this one, but according to Spotify, I listen to this song once a day, every day this year, which is kind of embarrassing. You know, at Spotify sends you that thing. It's like, here's what you've listened to this year. And it's like, you listen to this song 411 times. And I'm like, that's every single day, at least once that's fucking disgusting but um what's that yeah <laughs> that was the uh the, the cheater slicks covering walk up the street the jonathan richmond song
Oh damn, I don't know though. Oh, you should. Know. It was just, it was a a beast. One of their seven inches they put out on in the red years ago. It's, it's my favorite Jonathan Richmond song, but yeah, definitely check out their cover of that. It's good. And if if you don't particularly like the Cheater Slicks, it's a really good. It's probably one of their most approachable songs, without getting into their whole albums. Yeah, I I do like them. I I actually just really um started getting it. Like I you know I've known who they are for a while, and I've listened to um like an album or two here and there but i i just recently um listened to like three or four that or maybe more of their albums from like the 90s they have some good stuff they have a lot of a lot of their stuff was recorded at wmbr you can find a lot of their stuff on they have a band right. camp up now where they've been putting up like old studio sessions for free it's pretty cool oh that's cool yeah no i i'm, I'm digging it uh yeah it's yeah, really good they're cool i feel like yeah you can definitely see like like uh, I mean, they must have been a big influence on uh, like Oblivions and those kind of yeah. Bands. I mean, I think they just yeah. they were on everyone. Yeah, yeah. they were I mean, around they for a while. A... They did their own thing. Nobody liked yeah. them. <laughs> well, that's what it seems like. They uh, uh, they don't like they didn't like Boston or or vice versa or the same or something. From what I understand, uh, they there was a because they're 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 from they live in Ohio now and they're loosely connected yeah. with this guy Don Howland who I volunteer at the station with. And they were kind of saying that that's, you know, they just, the city didn't like them then. I remember one of them was Dana, I think was saying that like the only person in Boston they got along with was Stephen Merritt because nobody liked him either. And the two of them were doing their own thing, but like Boston just at the time in like the early nineties, wasn't really into that kind of music. Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I guess not. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about like that particular era or like yeah. even like the bands at the time, but I mean, we kind of hear, some stuff here and there floating through and uh start were to they bigger more, than nice guys like, in the 90s. <laughs> i don't really know at the time i mean they were on they were on pretty were big labels red. by the early 90s yeah but mm-hmm. i think they definitely had at least six or seven years ago around but there's a cool um there's a youtube that have you ever followed the um road to ruane youtube series it's all the videos that billy ruane used to film at uh i've, I've seen some work before yeah. there's a good one of the cheater slicks there from like the early 90s yeah, and I've seen I've seen that I think, or at least I've seen something from them at yeah. Middle East upstairs and TTs. I think I think I've seen a video of them at TTs. Um, yeah, those two would be it. And then I guess my last pick would be it's gonna be a Guitar Wolf song. It would be um, uh, what would it be? I guess I'll go with Guitar Wolf's Wild. Yeah, Wild Zero. <laughs>
just because the movie's amazing and the song's great. Wild Zero. So that Wild Zero. Damn. All right, sick. I guess was, it, wait, was, that the, was that the movie that was, came out like a few years ago with Jack Oblivion? Oh, no, no. Wild Zero is. Have you seen Wild Zero? No, I haven't. All right, let me. So I, it took me ages to find a copy. I had to drive to a Newbury Comics in the middle of nowhere to find it. It's. It came out in 98. It was directed by a music video guy. It, it's really stupid. Basically, the premise is that aliens come to Earth and turn people into zombies. And Guitar Wolf has to fight them off. But they also teach a guy a lesson about not being judging people based on gender. It, it, it's bizarrely ahead of its time. Yeah, I guess um, say it sounds like it. it's 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 good, and it's not making fun of anybody. It, it's a strange, strange movie. But Guitar Wolf throughout it plays music. They're like superheroes. The the um the girl from the Arcades cites it as a reference for starting the Arcades. If you're into them at all. Oh wow! So yeah, check, I listened to a little bit. Zero. It's 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 worth checking out. All right, yeah, definitely. Sore Sore Losers is another big older Memphis film, but which I like. But Sore Losers is terrible. It's kind of done in the guise of like a '60s '70s exploitation kind of. I don't know what you not porn, but like the weird sleazy sex based films of the time period. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like Mud Women and stuff. It's. It's worth seeing, but it's not worth paying any money for. <laughs> I have like a bootleg I bought years ago for a couple of bucks. I, I've shown it to people and I've been excited to show it to them. And they told me it's the worst thing they've ever seen. So I've learned <laughs> to just give a, a preface to everyone who I tell about it. All right, like, fair, fair enough. Guitar um, yeah, also on that. Okay, yeah, I think that that might be the one I'm thinking of, but I, I don't know. The soundtrack I, got way, reissued like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm I think that's her. the one I'm thinking of. Uh, well, if we can rip those songs somehow, we can make it. We can incorporate them into the podcast. I can send them to you. Okay, sick. And Thank uh, you. Um, yeah, so now getting to getting to your show, static uh, static disaster. Um, <laughs> so, like, is this your first time? as a it, dj it is yeah I, I had always kind of wanted to around boston and for some reason just probably because i'm lazy just never did it i think i sent an email once to tufts radio because i lived in medford and i didn't and then when i moved down here i, I was working remotely part-time for my old job in boston and then that started the, they kind of gave me a heads up they're like hey look in the new year it's not looking good so i just started volunteering at a station here and you know i was like oh, i'll show up and see how it goes and they actually, the, the guy, the main guys who run it, this guy, Stephen Howard, used to work at Tufts Radio. So all of our equipment here is actually from Tufts from years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a bunch of Boston people down here. It's kind of weird. It's cool. So I started volunteering there, reviewing stuff. And then um, basically, honestly, and I don't know if this is every radio station, but I just started showing up. And it seems like most places, if you show up, eventually they'll offer you a slot. <laughs> uh, my cat's yelling at me. Hi, Fina. Come here. Nice cameo. Yeah, she's gonna scream at me until I throw. Sorry, one second. It's all good. I'll push over. Oh shit. All right, sorry about that. That's all right. It's who the bosses. Anyway, so yeah, I started showing up to volunteer, doing like record reviews, and they would have like a record show and events. This is all before COVID and doing that. It's a neat station. Greg Cartwright had a show that has a show there did until COVID, which he's taken off. Uh, Don Howland from the Bassholes has a show there. 
he lives here, but he he actually he does all classical music now, which is honestly kind of neat because I would otherwise never have listened to it. But yeah, it's awesome. And yeah, there weren't really a lot of punk shows. There's like two or three other ones on there worth listening to that do like similar music. So I was like, oh, I'll volunteer, you know, save this idea. And then the main thing I think was to focus to try and play more new bands, which right, you know, left to my own devices, I'll listen to I'll listen to the same three or four albums over and over and over again. Pretty ad nauseum for a while. So I was like, you know, what, if yeah. I do this. It'll force me to go on Bandcamp, find newer bands, or like all the bands that I've liked over the years, like Electric Street Queens and yeah. Girlfriends, Joining the Food Mountain. I'm like, you know what? I can play these bands on the radio. Maybe someone will hear it and like it, and that'll be kind of cool to feel like I'm like championing or trying to promote something. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, we definitely appreciate it, and um, yeah, it's always it's always a good thing too to try to stay up the times uh and i admit like i'm not the best at doing that um and so i always admire that when people are like making an effort to um include like current contemporary stuff because i don't know it's, it's just at least for me I, and sometimes this especially in boston i feel it's like it's always like the feeling of like oh there's like nothing going on or whatever even though i'll still be going to shows and there's cool bands uh or it's like oh there was more shit going on you know five years ago or whatever it was so it's like i don't know for me just in general hearing even beyond boston like hearing stuff that's coming out like at the, currently it, it's like encouraging that's like oh okay well there's still cool shit out there no definitely it's a weird thing to say too but covid is honestly i was thinking about that at the end of this year when i was just like covid honestly kind of helped there's been you know in the past i've kind of complained there wasn't always great releases but i think so many people have had free time on their hands that there's actually been a lot of really good output of like punk and garage stuff this past year and the reds put out a lot yeah um, goner put out a lot total put out tons of stuff which is cool um there's that i like the intelligence a lot they're kind of like a oc's-esque band but lars finberg put out a solo album this year that's really good um, yeah i heard a song from them the other day um i never like got into them i knew that i knew they were it just it was just uh one of those bands that's never uh and i forget i heard one of his other bands too i mean he's, uh, he's in a lot of stuff it's yeah it was like some band that was in the night what is it yeah a oh that's it a frame yeah. oh yeah a frames yeah. yeah and they vary a lot from like their last album on some pops a lot different from their ss record stuff they were a lot more fallish or abrasive early on but i, I like a frames and intelligence again i like them a lot but they're all over the place sometimes they're very kind of poppy and slow other times way noisier every record's kind of different which i've learned to appreciate that there's whatever he felt like doing he did right and and like pre-covid were you going out to shows in nashville i caught a couple here there there aren't you know obviously it's a smaller place so there aren't quite as many i i, I saw greg cartwright solo once or twice he does more of like a acoustic singing set now i'm like i don't say folk but like more like one guy playing electric guitar stuff it's it's good and then what else did i see i got to see um that was the one really cool show here was um why can't i think of their name now wow the guy the guy who wrote the gunk punk book oh eric davidson yeah the, band, new bomb new bomb Tur the new bomb turks played here with um nine pound hammer who i, who I wasn't ever really into it's yeah a, basically the band from before um nashville pussy but right. I have to say they were really fun live. Like basically a bunch of dudes who don't play music before and that one guy. And they were kind of like laughing at themselves being like, 
I'm 53 and have three kids and I'm singing the song about getting wasted. They're like, yeah, like we from, yeah. Rural, from rural Kentucky. Here's what we did when we were like 19. And I was like, you know what? They're, they're having a good time. They're laughing Respect. themselves as they go. They were like, they're really happy to be playing, which I think I've learned to really appreciate. Like, I like when I see a band that's like, looks like they're having fun. Yep. So that was really cool to see them. And then it was fun to see New Bomb Turks. I had never seen them live. And yeah, I've never seen them. I really want to. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, that that whole, I was almost going to ask you about that book, but uh, I think we'll have to save that for another time, just because I think that would, I, I could go on all day talking about that. I thought it was a good, uh, I mean, I can give you the cliff notes. I would say, you know, the language isn't always my thing at points, but I thought oh, no, it was a really no, I, well done book. Yeah, no, I, I've read it like a few times. I just mean, uh, I, I could like go on and on talking about it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I that's totally a good cliff it. notes version. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I know what you mean too. It's like, uh, well, it's weird. It's like, uh, I think uh, our, with our band could be your life. I, I don't know if it's in the book somewhere or if I saw it in an interview, but like Michael Azar had said that he, you know, there were so many bands he would have loved to include, but he couldn't. Uh, and then I because it would have just became like a more of like an encyclopedia yeah so he's zeroed in on like 13 bands and, and with like the gunk punk book you know it is more kind of like an encyclopedia of that kind of you know some bands he focuses in a lot more and there's like more like interviews with some people like you know and everything yeah. but um, and the people he knew better got more page time just because like it was a more natural conversation right yeah exactly and you know naturally it's like you can't get everyone and, and yeah. everything but but so i'm, I'm kind of glad that both exist but I, I also just love the fact that you know that era a lot of times is you know there's tons of bands like i i didn't know like mo when, when i read it at the time i didn't know most of the bands. yeah i learned about a lot from that yeah same and so it's I like agree. really valuable for that um so i was gonna say with the radio station like, uh, how do you go about selecting the songs that you're going to play on? You know, it, one interesting thing that's come out of it is that I've learned to like, and I was talking to someone about this before I started, they were just saying, you know, it's hard to do a specific show and it's hard to play things only you like. So it's become a lot more of trying to find things that flow well. I, every week I say, I'm going to, I'm going to work ahead of time. And basically what ends up happening is Friday night at like seven o'clock i spend the next five hours trying to get it all put together i put in probably way too much time to pre-planning my sets no, that's but cool I, I like that i try to make them something that flows and try to do it i want it to be a bit more accessible because like you know i would love to play bands like the hospitals or king brothers and stuff but like realistically like it's 10 to 11 a.m in the morning a lot of people if they click to the station they just hear a guitar banging against the wall are going to click to the next station so mm. i kind of try to find a mid ground and pull in moments of that but to also be like you know focus on things like mission of burma and things that are a bit more accessible that people might be sure. like oh this is cool or like the tracks that are a little bit easier to listen to while you're driving around doing errands <laughs> if that because i assume yeah, no, most people that, listening that are like sense. driving in their car <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's a good time slot yeah no totally yeah no i was yeah. pretty happy to get that yeah totally uh so we're going to ask uh, our, our classic question we've asked every episode because I think we're probably getting a uh, Romos probably at the time before Zoom kicks us up. So just oh, yeah, I have five things. minutes, five and a half minutes left. Okay, good. I talked I, yeah. for like three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a good yeah. time. It doesn't feel like it. I... Yeah. What was that? 
it's been a good time. I had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Likewise. Yeah. This has been uh this has been uh, I'm not just saying this, this has been like one of our best episodes. It, oh, well, at least as far as like it's been like uh I mean the shit we've talked about I could talk about all all day and everything. Yeah, so. agreed. And uh you know so and I also yeah, we don't had know. anybody to talk to about this crap for like a year <laughs> and a half. So like you guys are just getting all of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and like we you know we always love talking about this stuff and we don't it, we don't necessarily always have that uh or you know sometimes we'll like someone will name a band and we have like no idea who it is so we can't really talk too much about it or something but or we're curious or vice versa a lot of times we'll name some band and people are like oh okay cool yeah and it's like there's not really you know yeah sometimes yeah. you know everything everyone's different but um so yeah quickly what the with we just have few minutes left but we always ask everyone this uh when when do you think shows will return you know if you'd asked me this a while i had originally hoped that by this fall things would be doing a little bit better uh, i'm guessing now that optimistically next summer or this coming spring summer would be ideal will it actually happen right uh you know i like to think by summer but my guess is it's going to be harder for the kind of things that we would want to go to. Like, I think like even, you know, Asheville for better or worse is like a tourist destination for this area. And they're a little bit more lax than say Boston is like, there's definitely like outdoor things going like outdoor shows going on and stuff. So you get a lot more of like that kind of music going on, but it's not like there's going to be punk or rock shows. Like there's plenty of like outdoor afternoon, bring your babies to see reggae kind of things going on. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think the basement shows or dive bars are going to be doing stuff until this and weather's a lot nicer here. Like, right. You know, it's not super warm, but it's like in the forties or fifties versus the thirties. So maybe by summer, I hope. Yeah. Cause I was going to say with like the warmer climate, I mean, you'll have to let us know if there is anything even like before there would be, you know, if it, since it's warmer and nicer than in Boston, you'll have to let us know if, anything pops up like any outdoor stuff or whatever there's one the one there's really only a couple of like punkish type venues here um most things are kind of mixed but generally people here tend to be more into like more accessible things a place called the gray eagle has been doing outdoor shows a bit um, oh, really? another venue called mr fred's it was like a place that did everything they closed they're going to become a restaurant or something and this other place called Static Age, which is like the, the punk record store downtown that does shows. I have seen a couple of cool small shows. They're currently building an outdoor stage in a parking space, from what I understand. I don't know how they're going to swing that. Oh. But they're going to be trying to do some outdoor shows, I guess. There's nice. always things going on. Asheville is kind of going through a bit like um, what was going on in Alston and stuff. Like it's the city's heavily developing very quickly because relative to the coasts or the Northeast in California, the cost of living here is like much lower. Right. So a lot of people are coming in and buying stuff up and someone was trying to pass a new noise ordinance recently that like had all the venues up in arms, basically like you couldn't make loud noises after 11 o'clock or something. And it was like a pretty low noise threshold. So oh boy, who knows what will happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, lots of condos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at least the outside, that outside stuff is encouraging. So no, no definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I'll say again, this has been one of the best, uh episodes we really appreciate it well, thank uh, you guys for having me on you know honored to be on the podcast with the likes of like lots of musicians i really like and stuff it was like oh cool <laughs> i get to be on here sweet <laughs> yeah bring, oh, yeah, bring no, everyone all you. together because you're all 
You're all the same, basically. It's true. Just a person. Yeah. We're all just seeing kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as, again, I'll say, uh, keep up the good work with the show, and uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll be tuning in. And uh, thanks again for coming. Awesome. On. Yeah. If anybody wants, to check out Astral FM. They're always asking for free money. My show Static Disaster every Saturday morning, 10 to 11 a.m. So check it out, please. Hell yeah. Check Absolutely. that out. Thank you. All right. Thank you, John. We'll see Later, you guys. Right. Thanks, John.